1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Start this new year with a statement this morning that Christ is returning. This statement may become a series, may become a couple sermons, but I still will shout it. The Lord is coming back. And um, I'm not saying it is this year. Anyone would be a fool to say they know when the Lord is coming back, because the Bible says we do not know when He's coming back. But I do know this, that He is coming. And I do know this, that we all need to be ready for His coming. I do know this, that we need to be reminded of His coming. And I think everyone, if we'd have took a test as you walked in, and, and a survey, I guess would probably be a better word, do you believe the Lord's coming back? Probably everyone that walked in this room would say, yes, I believe the Lord's coming back. But when we truly think on it and truly meditate on it, and if I can use the phrase, truly believe it, it changes everything in our life. It changes everything about salvation. If you believe that this morning, you would not leave this place without knowing that Christ is your Savior. If you believe that this morning, you'd have a burden for people like never before. We would be surrendered to the Lord. There'd be no question whether I should serve the Lord, whether I should surrender this area to God. He's coming back. I need to be ready for that return. Uh, the return of Christ affects our sanctification and our separation. First uh, John chapter 3 teaches that if we believe that He is coming back, it changes our, our, the way we look at our purity and we want to be ready for His return. It changes our soul winning. It changes everything. But the fact is this, He is coming back. And the return of Christ is part of the gospel. And I know that we don't think about that much, but read the text with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in verse number 13. Paul said this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, here's the gospel, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The return of Christ is a doctrine that is taught in the Word of God. It is a doctrine, and it, it goes, it's associated with the death, and burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, we believe our Lord arose from the grave. Amen? And that was the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15 says that someday he will return, and when he returns, all those who have died in Christ, their bodies will rise again. We believe that today. This teaching of the return of Christ is words of comfort to us. And no matter what we go through in this world, and in the last days, perilous times will come. But in these last days, we have a great comfort that any day now, the Lord could return. And all of our sorrow and all of our fears and all of our heartaches, all sin will be put behind us. What a day that will be. Amen. 
His return, the return of Christ, is one of the main teachings in the New Testament. It is a plain teaching in the New Testament. It has been corrupted, the teaching has, by many false teachers. It has been confused by false teaching. It is a preaching that we need. It helps us prioritize our life. It helps to purify our life. And I want us to consider the return of Christ. If the Lord gives liberty, we'll preach on it next Sunday as well. But we want to look at this return of Christ because, again, I am not looking at you telling you that the Lord's coming back in 2023. But, and I don't mean this as a joke. We are getting closer. And we're closer than we've ever been before. And when you read the scriptures and you see what the scriptures have to say about the return of Christ, it just everything points to the fact that his return is coming. And we are living in the last days. And I am well aware that it is something that has been preached now for thousands of years. And Peter even said there will come a time when Peter when people will say and mock and say, well, it's been preached on for thousands of years and it's not come. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. And he is coming. When you see society, when you see the depth and the destitute of man, the Lord is coming. When you see the immoral lifestyle and the immoral agendas that's being pushed on society as it was in the days of Lot. When you see a disregard for the preaching and the word of God as it was in the days of Noah, he is coming. Make no mistake, the Lord's coming back. And I'll say more about it tonight. We have a responsibility as a church to be ready for that return. And we that have this hope in us, it ought to be a comfort within us, but it also be a motivation in our lives to be ready for his return. That we might purify ourselves and see God be pleased with what is presented to him. So I want to look at today real quick, just as a kind of an introduction for next week too, but the, the return of Christ. And I want us to leave this place just with it fresh in our minds. I want us to enter this year with this thought that the Lord could return. And that shouldn't be a terrible thought. Amen. You know, I, the return of Christ, and I, I, I'm excited. You know, I, I used to hear my grandpa talk about it, and I, I, I think on it more and more. And the, the older I get, the more I understand John's words, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. And, and, I, and I get that. And the more I see hurt, the more I see the awfulness of sin and what it's doing to people, I'm looking forward to a day when all that is behind us. And I know that there, you know, I grew up too. <laughs> you know, you, we want the Lord to return, but, you know, there's things in life. But I tell you what, the more corrupt this world gets, the more, believer, it will just be a wonderful thing put this behind us I've not given up this is the time we're to press hard and redeem the time that God has given us but it's time we quit ignoring the fact that the Lord is coming back and it could be it could be today there's no reason that he couldn't come back today there's no reason this is just could not be the year of his return 
But regardless, we need to prepare ourselves and be ready for this return. So I want you to see a couple of things. Let's start by first look, turning a page to the First Thessalonians chapter 5. Read these verses with me, but I want to say this first statement. That that day, the return of Christ, and I, by that I'm talking about the rapture, that is the next event on the calendar of God. Well, by the rapture, I mean this. The Lord's not going to step foot on this earth, not yet. But He's going to come in the clouds, as we have read. And all of us that are saved, we will meet Him in the air. That will begin seven years of tribulation. The Bible teaches and very plainly teaches. At the end of those seven years will be the second coming of Christ when He will step foot on this earth. Now this day of Christ that I'm talking about is the rapture, which could happen at any moment. And I just want to pause because the Lord just told me to. If you're not saved... I mean what I just said. It could happen at any moment. You need to be prepared for that. But the first thing I know about this day, according to the Word of God, is this day is secret. By secret meaning this, we do not know when He's coming. But that He is coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. In other words, you can look around and see that we're getting closer. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. We do not know when he's coming, but we know that he is coming. He is coming, the Bible says here, as a thief in the night. In other words, if you knew when a thief was coming, you would be ready for that, right? In this world, that's how they will see. They, they do not know, but we don't have to live in darkness in this. That's what Paul's teaching. Even though he is coming as a thief at night, we don't have to live in darkness. We're children of the light. We should be ready for this return. We do not know when, but that doesn't mean that we cannot be ready for the return of Christ. In Mark, turn back there. You might want to put something in Thessalonians. We'll probably return. But turn back to Mark, chapter number 13, real quick. Mark, the book, the gospel of Mark, in chapter number 13. Look at verse number 31. Mark chapter 13 and verse number 31. Now we know that this day is coming. I want you to note in this passage of Scripture that it is promised. It is promised. In Mark chapter 13, verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So let's first agree with what the Lord has said. If it's in this book and it's promised it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It is promised. Now, what does he say is promised? I want you to see in verse 32, something is planned. It says there, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. It is a planned event. The Father in heaven knows when the Lord's going to return. Even the Son, as an act of submission to the Father's will, has, as, uh, He has remained 
uh, uh, not to know this knowledge. He's waiting on the Father to share it with him. But the fact is this, that it is a planned event. A God in heaven is there, and he knows when it's going to take place. We do not know, according to verse number 32, no man knows. So if someone gets up and preaches, or you watch some YouTube video, when someone has found out the very day that the Lord's going to return, he's a liar. He doesn't know. Because the Bible says no man knows this. But we do know he's coming. So it is promised, it is planned, but then it is pictured here in verse 33 to 36. First of all, you see it's pictured as a man on a trip. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he should find you sleeping. The fact is this, it's pictured, and the Lord gives us an illustration, like a man goes on a trip, and when he leaves, he leaves the men, his servants, with a task. You read that there, everybody follow me, or there in verse number 30, 34, he's as a man taking a far journey, he left his house and gave authority to his servants. We have a job to do. The Lord is like that man, he's gone away, we know where he's at, he's at the right hand of God, Amen. He's seated on the throne of heaven, but he's left for us a task. What is our task? To win souls, to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring them in. He's a man on a trip, but he's left men with a task. But there is a mandate here in this passage to trust that he is coming back. Verse 35, watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. Now the Lord talked about his return and he gives this illustration and it's a simple illustration but he says like a man he leaves his house he leaves everything but he's given the men the stewards there a task to do but they have an obligation to watch for his return. Now what that entails is this that they better have had done the task that he left them to do. They've been given a responsibility. They've been given a privilege and they should be ready and someone should always have their eyes to the sky. Is he here? Is he coming? Are we ready? And that is something that we lack today in our churches. We become very self-pleasing. We become full of entertainment. We become full of just pleasing flesh and pleasing people. When we should have our eyes looking towards heaven, he could return today. And if we believe that, it would change our lives in the way that we acted and the way that we lived. It would change our soul winning efforts. We would probably wouldn't have much better to do on visitation time than to tell people about the Lord. There wouldn't be anything that would keep us from the house of God if we believed. You're getting quiet on me now, right? But if we believed it, if we believed that he could come back within this hour, and he could, I hope you believe that. And you can amen this because you're sitting here. But you wouldn't want to be sitting at home on a sofa on a Sunday morning when you could be in church, but you just didn't go if you really believed he's coming back. It would change our lives. We would understand that we've been given an obligation from God and we should get consumed with it. I understand, you know, that you can't do everything. It is impossible. As the pastor of this church, you cannot do everything that this church does. 
I can't, all right? I can't even keep up with myself, all right? We can't. But all of us should be doing something. Something for the Lord. Get plugged in and serve him. Let's try to reach souls. But it's pictured as this man who's on a trip, but he is coming back. And we need to be busy doing what we're going to do. So we need to prepare for that in verse number 37. It says, what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Be ready. And we don't know whether it's at even, whether it's at noon, at midnight, or early in the morning. But friends, he's coming. He's coming. If you leave with anything today, I want you to leave with this knowledge, the Lord's coming back. And I believe it's really important that we start taking seriously this obligation to watch and be prepared. The day, secret. Don't know when, but we can be ready. The day will be, number two, sudden. It will be sudden. You're in Mark. Turn back, please, to Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter 24. Look at these few verses with me. We use our Bibles a little bit here. But I want you to see that the return of Christ is not just something that's thrown in Thessalonians and not anywhere else mentioned. It's throughout this New Testament. It will be sudden. First of all, we'll read in Matthew chapter 24 and in verse number 27, it will be as lightning in the sky. Matthew 24 and in verse number 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now what's pictured there is this, and we've all been outside during lightning, thunderstorm. That lightning bolt will just, it, it's, it's there. It flashes in the sky. And what the picture here is being, that what's being taught is this, that the coming of the Lord, when he comes, it will be as lightning in the sky from east to west. There it is. So what's the big deal with that? You're not going to know that the return of Christ, I'm just saying this in case someone's dealing with their salvation. You're not going to be that person that says, oh, it's happening, I better get right. You won't have that opportunity. Quickly as lightning flashes and is there and is gone, the return of Christ is going to happen suddenly. That's why it's important you be prepared now. Whether you're six years old or 60 or 106, you need to be ready today. It will be sudden as lightning in the sky. Turn over to 1 Corinthians to the right. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians, this is the resurrection chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse number 52. Not only will it be as lightning in the sky, but it will be less than a second. Less than a second. I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 52. The Bible says this about this return of Christ. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. But notice what it says, in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye. It will be as lightning in the sky. It will be less than a second. In other words, don't, 
Well, I'll just worry about it when it happens. It's too late. And, I, and I'm passionate about this because the sermon that I got saved under was a sermon about the return of Christ. And I went home that night. I stood in that invitation holding on to the seat in front of me. I knew I was lost. I went home that night, couldn't sleep that night because what if, the, what if he returned? What if he came back? I'm not ready. I need to be saved. So I will preach it hard this morning because I mean this and I believe this. He is coming back soon. And if you're not ready, get ready today. Because it will happen just as lightning in the sky. Just less than a second it will take place. And look back in Acts chapter number 1. In Acts chapter number 1, it will be sudden, but in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 11, I want you to see is just as the Lord, how He ascended up to heaven. In Acts 1 and verse number 11, says this, which also said, these two angels, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What that means is this, what the angels were saying. The Lord, of course, he met with them there and then he ascended to heaven. And the angels were, or I'm sorry, the disciples were staring there in awe, obviously. They had just stood with him. They had just talked with him. Thomas was given an invitation to touch him. He was bodily, visibly right there. And he ascended and the angel says, just as you have seen him leave. That's how he's coming back. So in other words, when that takes place, it's lightning in the sky, less than a second, but make no mistake, the Lord himself will be in the clouds. The Lord himself, we will see him. Isn't that awesome? Just as those disciples saw him with their eyes, they were able to speak to him, touch him, fellowship with him, that day, which could happen before the hour. It could. And I mean that. I mean it to this point that if you're not sure you're saved, don't wait till the end of the service. Come on up. Let's get it settled right now. But when he comes, we will see him with our eyes. We will speak to him with our lips. We will behold him. What a great day that's going to be. That day will be sudden. It is a secret. But that day, number three, will be spectacular. What a wonderful day. Turn back to 1 Thessalonians, please, in chapter number four. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter number four. It will be spectacular. Why is it going to be so spectacular? I don't have time to tell you all that, but I'll give you some highlights. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter number four, verse number 16. It's going to be a spectacular day because, number one, there'll be a shouting Savior. Now, you ought to be excited about it because Jesus is excited about it. I mean, understand this. The Son does not know when this day is. Now, don't, you're going to come to him and be like, but he knows everything. I get it. I'm just saying that's something that the Son has chosen not to do. He has that prerogative because he's God. The Father knows. But one day the Father's going to look at the Son and say, Go. And the Lord's excited about it. You say, How do you know that? Look at verse 16. 
For the Lord himself, there he is, shall descend from heaven. Look what it says. With the what? There's no commas in between that. There's no different persons. You outline that. You grammar people. The Lord's doing the shouting. The Lord is shouting. Amen. Amen. I mean, the Lord, he's not coming back saying, well, here we go. No, when he returns, come up. He's excited. He's been waiting for this moment. He knows what he's delivering us from. He knows that we're never going to hurt. He knows we're all going to be together again. He knows we're never going to go through a sorrow or a pain again. All he wants is us to be with him. That's the whole purpose of his coming and his death and his resurrection. To enjoy an eternity with all of us. And finally, it's here. And he doesn't say, all right. No, it's come up. He's shouting. So should we. You ought to be excited about it. If the return of Christ is something like, eh, big deal. Something's wrong in your heart. Because the Lord gets excited about it. There'll be a shouting Savior, but also there will be a loud archangel. It says there, keep reading. The Lord will descend from him with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The archangel, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's doing. But he's loud. His voice is ringing out. I don't know if that be Michael. I'm not going to get into that. Probably. All right. But it doesn't really matter. The archangel, the Lord. I don't know what. I don't know exactly what the Lord's going to say. I'm not pretending to know. I say come up. I base it off Revelation chapter 4. Right. But maybe that's what the archangel says. I don't know. But Jesus is shouting. And the archangel is voicing his voice too. And I don't know exactly what they're saying. But I know I'm going to hear it. That's awesome. I don't know, but I'll recognize the voice. Stop and think about that. Because his sheep know his voice. And when he says, and when the Lord speaks, I'll know it. And I don't know what the archangel's going to say, but he's going to lift his voice up. He just might be, he just might be a yippee. I don't know. Just excited. You have no idea it's hard for us to understand how much the Lord longs for this day. I know we always talk about how we long for it. The Lord longs for this day. I did a lot of weddings in the last few years. And we're pictured as the bride in the Bible. And the Lord Jesus is pictured as the heavenly bridegroom. I've never seen all these weddings I've been doing in the last few years. I've never seen the bridegroom like, eh, big deal. I usually walk, usually like in that room where they're hanging out and they're sitting there shaking. You okay? I don't know. Yeah, right? (laughs) Then they walk out here and they stand down there and there's big eyes. But when the doors open, I've never had one be like, eh. (laughs) No, it's dead. Their eyes get big. Smile goes across their face. This is the day. And that's nothing what our Lord is in heaven. He cannot wait. He longs for us to be with him. There's a shouting Savior, a loud archangel, and a triumphant trumpet. 
It says there in verse number 16, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. There will be the sound of a trumpet. We could go into all the pictures in the Old Testament and all that stuff, and, but I'll just say this. It is a time of rejoicing and victory. And the trumpet will sound the trump of God because, praise God, victory has been attained. And we are with him. Praise God, when that trumpet sounds, we are going to meet him in the air. What a great and wonderful thing. I played the trumpet for many years. You know, being used at sporting events. I used to, because I couldn't play sports that well, so I'd sit in the stands. Da 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 da. That's not what I don't think heaven's going to do, right? But, but the point is this the trumpet demands attention, is a call to action, and it is a sound of victory. And there will be a spectacular day when we have a shouting Savior and a loud archangel and a triumphant trumpet. And praise God, resurrected, reunited, redeemed. Again, the Bible says this in verse 16, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Won't it be awesome? When the Lord shouts, and the archangel lifts his voice and the trumpet blows, all those bodies that have died in Christ, they will be resurrected. They'll be put off the mortality and put on immortality. They will put off the corruption and put on incorruption. And we are all going to meet in the clouds. And a reunion is going to be an awesome thing. I can't wait till the reunion. But it doesn't say we which are alive and remain were caught up together with them in the clouds to meet each other. Now that's a glorious thought, and I'm not taken away from it. I can't wait to see my loved ones. But we're not going to, let's say it really simply, I'm not going to run first to my dad, though I can't wait to see him again. I'm not going to run first to my grandpa, though I can't wait to see him again. But I can't wait to meet the Lord. And so shall we all ever be with the Lord. All the redeemed will be caught up to be with him. Oh, I'm not belittling. We will know our loved ones. There's some people out there that teach you won't know your loved ones. You don't get stupid when you go to heaven. Amen? Amen. I mean, even on the mount, when Elijah and Moses came down, even the disciples didn't say, who's that? Amen? When Lazarus died, the poor man, he knew that rich man, and that rich man knew Lazarus. And by the way, they all knew Abraham. 
we're going to know each other. And it's going to be a great reunion one day. But what we're going to be consumed with is we finally get to meet our Lord. And it's going to be that much more precious when all this sin cloudiness is out of our head. And we'll get to see the Lord. That day will be spectacular. That day will be sudden. That day is a secret. But before I close, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Praise the Lord for that. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Praise the Lord, we're not facing that wrath that is to come. But what that implies is that those who have rejected Christ will face that wrath. And I close with this last point that that day is a secret, but it, and it will be sudden. It will be spectacular. But that day will be a day of separation. A day of separation. God's people will be removed from this world. You say, well, I'll get right then. Well, the Bible addresses that. Look in Second, second Thessalonians. Look with me in chapter number 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 9. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Understand this, that after the Lord takes us out of here, the Antichrist, a false God, because this world's going to be in such chaos. I mean, I don't want to get into all this, but can, can you imagine when millions of believers are removed from this world? in a moment in less than a second we'll be doing a lot of rejoicing but this world's going to be scared and chaotic has never seen anything like it before maybe the only comparison is when the rain began to fall when Noah was in the ark and no doubt people began to bang on the side of the ark and people began to panic but it was too late just as so this man will be revealed who will try to offer peace and some answers. But in verse 10, and with all deceitfulness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. If you've rejected, I wish I could say this in a better way, but I'll just tell you what the Bible says, you will perish because you receive not the love of the truth. Verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion and they shall believe a lie. People that have rejected Christ, they will believe whatever lie that this false antichrist teaches. If you're sitting in this auditorium because you've heard the truth this morning, that the Lord loves you so much, He came, He died for your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. 
God doesn't want you to perish. He sent his son to die for you. And if you will believe in Jesus and have a time in your life when you receive that gift of eternal life by believing in faith, we'll all be caught together in heaven. But if you say no to this truth, say, I'm just not going to do it, you will perish. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just, that's what the Bible says. You're going to believe a lie. You say, now, nah, I'll change my mind then. According to the Bible, you're going to believe some delusion, some lie. According to verse number 10, you will perish. You say, well, that's a mean God. No. That's why he hasn't come back yet, because he wanted to have you hear this again. He's not willing that any should what? Perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to get saved today. He wants you to get right with him today. And so he made sure out of everywhere you could be in this world at this moment, he has you sitting in the seat. Because he loves you. And he wants you to get saved. And if you've never received Christ, do so today. As believers, it's time to start watching. Are we watching as we should? Because if we are, we'll be busy doing the task he told us to do.